For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Jordan Rodrigue, the Athletic's Los Angeles Rams beat reporter, about their upcoming game this Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. These two teams already met earlier this season on Sunday Night Football at Levi Stadium down in Santa Clara, and it did not go well for the Los Angeles Rams. A 24-16 win for the 49ers in a game where Jimmy Garoppolo returned to the starting lineup after the disaster of a game against the Miami Dolphins. George Kittle had 109 receiving yards, Jimmy G's throwing touchdowns, and the 49ers moved to 3-3. Well, since that game, it has been a tale of two different teams for the Rams and the 49ers. The Niners dropping three of their last four out of the bye week this week, and the Los Angeles Rams coming off of back-to-back wins, including three of their last four with wins over the the Seahawks, and the Buccaneers vaulting them into first place in the NFC West. All stuff we can discuss with Jordan Rodrigue, who joins me next. It's Friday, November 27th. It is always fun when we can talk football, Rams football with Jordan Rodriguez. And Jordan, I was thinking about this before we had you on. Last time we discussed how you gave us the perfect meme. You gave us the the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Rams 49ers felt like they were kind of in a similar situation. And, and the Rams were on their way up and the Niners were on their way down. And now, since they've last played, kind of the same situation. The Rams have won 3 of 4. 49ers have lost 3 of 4. And I'm sitting here going, how did they ever beat the LA Rams? How are you, Jordan? Welcome back to the update. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. And I know I, I still giggle every time I think about our last conversation, which, as we mentioned, feels like about a year ago at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, it seems like ages ago. But the Rams seem like they're a different football team, right? We've seen development. I think Cam Akers has developed a little bit. The backfield situation is probably still more of a question mark than the last time I talked to you. But what's your take on what the Rams have done coming off of a big Monday night win on the East Coast? Yeah, well, part of it was in terms of shoring up and, and becoming a maybe a little bit different looking team, uh, more successful team, certainly since they last faced the 49ers, is shored up some of the execution and tackling issues on defense, made sure that guys really understood where their gap accountability was. I think San Francisco really stretched them more horizontally than they were comfortable with in terms of getting their edges set and and then making life hard for their inside linebackers. And, and that's just such a Kyle Shanahan special specialty against all of these different teams. So they definitely expected it and didn't execute. And then after that, you know, execution things, and then they got their clock rocked by Miami. I mean, that was like a really wake up call of a game. And and there was this big fear at the time um, because of how atrociously they responded to a lot of those cover zero pressures that there was a blueprint now against the Rams. So they went into the bye week after that. And, you know, overall, other than Andrew Whitworth, poor guy, stayed healthy and figured out, okay, if we actually want to be good this season, like we think we can be, then we better figure out how to, you know, execute on some of those blitz kill plays. And you could see even the design was there against Miami, but the execution was not. And once they started beating it a couple of times, teams have played them like that the last couple of games and, and tried to, to, you know, go all, all out blitz on them sometimes and cover zero and whatnot. But They've been beating it. And so that's given their offense a little bit more juice. And then defensively, um, they're really coming into their themselves in terms of what conceptually Brandon Staley wanted from this defense. Um, you're really seeing now what the initial plan and installation process um, has been from training camp to now. 
you talk about the zero blitzes. I want to go back to that and how they've been breaking that a little bit because Robert Sala with the 49ers is, and I assume a lot of this has to do with just not having a lot of his weapons this year, right? I mean, he's missing Nick Bosa. He's missing D Ford guys who on the outside last year sort of cleaned up those sacks when they would get pushed out of the pocket by DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. When they did that to Jared Goff, five weeks ago or six weeks ago, whatever that was, when they beat him up and they made him uncomfortable, he really could not get into a rhythm. Now, you mentioned, I think he's been playing better, I guess, is, is what I'm getting at. Maybe it's the protection, but I felt like even one of the best throws he made on Monday night was on that final drive. He made a throw to the sideline. I can't remember if that was to Robert Woods or not, but he rolled out of the pocket and he kind of stuck with the moving pocket that collapsed on him. He rolled to the right side. He made a throw. What are your thoughts on his mobility right now in picking up those blitzes and really kind of, maybe that Super Bowl sort of threw him out of whack a couple years ago. It seems like he's back to form. Jared is such a study in sort of a, you have to take him like maybe two to three games at a time. (laughs) And it's exactly what you're talking about is, oh my gosh, the, you know, the 49ers game and then Miami, those two were such wake up calls in terms of, yeah, teams are going to get after you, man. And, and you, you know, the design is there, but how can we execute a little bit um, more consistently? How can we take care of the football? What Miami did really well was they also got their arms up in throwing lanes. And that's, you know, the job of the offensive line, which has been playing very well to keep those arms tamped down and to keep those throwing lanes clear. And, and as you saw against Miami, he had so many of those balls batted. He had like six batted passes in that game and then gave it up, coughed it up four times where they're picked or or sack fumble. And that was something where it's a three-part execution and and Jared obviously being such a a major, major step in that regard. And I did think he's, he's been playing very, very well against the Blitz in the last two games specifically. Statistically, he's been playing incredibly well against the Blitz. He's actually, last game he was like 18 of his passing plays were in a Blitz situation. He completed 16 of his passes for over 200 yards and, and a touchdown. And so that shows, and including his movement, his awareness, and staying calm and not panicking, and then seeing around things if they pop up in his lanes, that has been noticeably different. I had noticed in practice that they're practicing a little bit different in terms of they're getting all the assistants out there and throwing pencil pads and all this stuff in his face and in the quarterback's lanes and certain things. So maybe that has a little bit of something to do with it. It's a very noticeable improvement over the last two games. But with Jared, again, I mean, I got to see like four or five to really believe it. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Yeah, it's about putting it together consistently, and I think that as he plays more consistently, so goes that offense, right? I think that's that's generally how it goes with teams is if the quarterback can get things going, and I think a lot of that has to do with, A, establishing the run and play action, especially in this offense, but I'm looking at this game on Monday night, and you got two receivers here with Robert Woods and with Cooper Cup, who they go both go for 100 yards, first time teammates have ever done that on Monday night football. I look around the league, and I go, okay, Julio and Calvin Ridley, definitely a great duo. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a trio now with Claypool and Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that the Buccaneers are sort of juries out right now, Mike Evans and, and Godwin and A.B., but they can be weapons. But I think these two guys, for a defense that's as hurt and as banged up and as COVID-ridden as the San Francisco 49ers are, this is a, a tough tandem that they're going to have to stop on Sunday. Yeah, and especially now the Rams have proven that if they believe a team is going to stop the run, they do now have a little bit more faith in Jared, again, unlike against Miami, that he can execute and that his receivers then at that point can not only um, make the plays in the immediate 
layers of the of the defensive part of the field, but also get the yards after the catch that they really struggled to get things going in that regard against San Francisco the last time around. So much of what the Sean McVay offense does is predicated on the run being successful. And I think he sort of flexed on us a little bit last week in terms of showing us that oh no, actually, we're going to sometimes depend on Jared. And this is an example of Jared rising to the occasion, but also his two receivers that he is most comfortable with also rising to the occasion, executing on just an extraordinary level as they did on Monday night. And if those guys are grooving in the way that they were consistently week over week, and you saw flashes of it in the first part of the season before the bye week, and now you're seeing it a little bit again, getting those guys going into a rhythm, they are extremely tough to not just defend but also keep track of because as you know it's so much pre-snap and at snap motion and reverses and Robert Woods is getting a couple carries on sweeps and then they're blocking um, and then they're running um, you know the patterns that they run in terms of their routes also cross over each other and set up layers and and it's just crazy and so if, if you can get those guys going that's extremely problematic for a defense. And I think that's exactly what the 49ers would love to do with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. They just had such a tough time getting them on the field together. And it may be an issue again with Brandon Ayuk currently on the COVID list for the 49ers. On the way out, I just want to hit on one more thing that you wrote about this week after the game Monday. History in the NFL is written by the kicker, right? And they maybe don't win that game on Monday night without Matt Gay. Seriously, like you go back and you look at Tom Brady's career and you're like, if Vinatieri misses some of those, we ain't talking about Tom Brady as the greatest of all time. You can do that with almost every every champion, right? You've always got a kicker somewhere in there who's had his uh, his name in the, the history books helping that team. But Matt Gay joins the team last Saturday and all of a sudden he's like a, a hero on Monday night. They were energized by him, it sounded like. This is why you're one of my favorite to talk to because um, <laughs> of what you opened this entire question with. I, I can't get over that phrase. History is written by I love that so much. Oh my Take gosh. it. It's yours. You put it, put I, it in I will, something and I'll smile. I will. Yeah, I will absolutely. And I'll let you know when I use it too because I'm going to use it. Perfect. <laughs> um, perfect. Yeah. You know, Matt Gay is their new guy. He has to work for them because their pool of available kickers is getting extremely small now that most teams around the league are keeping two. And you have to, if you, you're pretty much going to be signing a guy off a practice squad and that means you have to keep him on your active roster for three weeks this year because of COVID-19 roles so he has to work out guys (laughs) and you know the thing that they liked about Matt was even in one of those misses and and yeah he got a great redemptive story arc because he he did get a the go-ahead um and ultimately game-winning field goal in the stadium of the team that drafted him and then cut him and you know the one he missed, they actually were okay with it because it, at least it was um, not a shank, right? That's kind of – the guy with one eye is the is still the, the most celebrated guy in a room full of the blind. It has the saying goes or something like that. So he's got to work out. I think they're pretty confident in, you know, the height off of his foot, the trajectory. They love what he's doing with the touchback. So – I guess their fingers are crossed at this point. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, I believe, is the, is See, the phrase. See, I knew you would get it. I knew there you it would is. get you it. There it is. You got it. I, yeah. I know all about it. I, you know, that's that's <laughs> kind of how the 49ers were for a while. Like, we were we were all scoping Jamichael Hasty. like, this is going to be the guy. And one of my buddies goes, you know, he was, like, undrafted out of Baylor, man. Like, uh, you know, well, he was the one guy who was a warm body for the Niners that, that one week. And now it's, it's going to be a different <laughs> backfield yet again. Jordan, you're the best. Have a great, safe holiday weekend. We appreciate the time again. And it's a shame they only play twice a year we'll have to get you on between now and then next season I know I know um love being on with you thanks so much for having me
Jordan is just fantastic. Great breakdowns on the LA Rams, and it is just so tough to beat a team twice in the same season. That'll be the task for the 49ers this holiday weekend. Thank you to Jordan. Thank you to Brian. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you're listening to us. We love bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. On Monday, we're going to take a little dive with our Grant Brisby into the San Francisco Giants offseason. We got to look at the prospects earlier this week with Melissa Lockard. Next week, we'll take a look at who some of the big names on the market could be for the Giants as we inch closer to the winter meetings. Everybody enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.